spreads are available for the remaining games on the Iowa Hawkeye football schedule. We'll break that down. How many games are the Hawkeyes favored in going forward? Yesterday, it was positive. We gave you five reasons why Iowa can beat Michigan. Today, we go the other direction. Five reasons that Iowa's going to get blown out by the Wolverines. We'll also talk about the offensive line, the struggles we've seen. George Barnett, the offensive line coach, who spoke yesterday. All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in once again to the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day with you daily throughout the course of the week. And also coming up, we'll have some instant reaction podcasts for you, though. Might be a little bit later as I'll be at Kinnick Stadium as a fan, not as a media member, coming up on Saturday. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, And a big thank you to Bet Online. They have you covered this football season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. So we got a lot to get into here today. We're going to kick things off talking about point spreads. And in fact, we're going to talk about bet online right there and uh, the numbers that are out there. So first of all, a look at the rest of the season. As we know right now, as we talk, Iowa is 11, some 11 and a half starting to pop point underdog against Michigan coming up this week. But a sports book that is available here in the state of Iowa, elite sports book, it's got properties all across the state. I th- think three different locations. They have point spreads out for every remaining game for the Hawkeyes this season. So I tweeted these out earlier today. You can check them out. Uh, just find my Twitter account at Trent Condon as where you can find that. Give me a follow there or co- of course at Locked On Iowa. And uh, you can also follow everything that we have on that side of things. But just taking a look at those numbers and you know, a couple surprising numbers as we go through this. So This week, as mentioned, they are an underdog against Michigan. We knew that was going to be the case. One interesting angle about this game this weekend in comparison to the opening lines that came out this summer, Michigan was anywhere between a three to five point favorite in the look ahead lines, the games of the year lines that came out throughout the course of the summer. My buddy Chris Andrews out of the South Point, he always puts those out uh, every year. A few other places had them out throughout the course of this season. So those were where the look ahead lines were this summer. All that closed up right as the season began, and then we wait for the lines. But one thing that Elite Sportsbook is doing a little bit different, and they did this a couple of years back as well, is they continue to evolve throughout the course of the season. And and I think it gives you some value if you are a better, an opportunity to get ahead of the lines, or if you like a number before it actually comes out. The other thing that it does, it also gives you a middling opportunity. And if you're new to the gambling space, what a middle is. Let's say you did bet this summer, and you bet Iowa, or let's just say you bet Michigan this summer. You saw that line. Look, we know 42-3 last year, the Big Ten Championship game. You saw the Wolverines for a four-point favorite. You said, you know what, I'm going to lay it. I'm going to lay Michigan minus four in that opening game. Well, now you come back on the other side with the line this week of 11, and if Michigan wins this game by four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10 points, that huge middle that you have, you win both sides of your bet. So that's what middling is. You don't get that many opportunities. This is what you normally have to do to get these big lines in the summer if you're going to do and try to play a middling game at this kind of fashion. But you'll see it if a point spreads right around a key number, a three, a seven, and people trying to middle that number and hoping that there's going to be some kind of sway, betting on things right when they come out. 
Circa is always the first that comes out here in the state of Iowa. Uh, that's available on Sunday afternoon uh, with the college point spread. So just something to look at gambling. I know a lot of people out there maybe new to the gambling space. Uh, for me, I've been doing it for a long time. Not successfully, but we've been doing it for a long time. I love it. And uh, that's a big part of certainly the conversations that I like to have here with you guys on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast and also on my radio show that you can catch catch on KXNO, Miller and Condon from 10 to noon uh, each and every day, 106.3 in Central Iowa and also available on the iHeartRadio app. So back to the point spreads here, what we have the remaining season. Of course, this week after Michigan, it's a road trip, going on the road as they will take on Illinois. The Illini playing much better under Bielema. They got a huge matchup them, themselves this week as they'll take on Wisconsin. That'll be a road tilt for the Illini. It'll be a night game. What's the environment going to be? And probably not great. Look, it's Champaign. It's Memorial Stadium. That place hasn't been banged out in a while, but it's still a night game. As we saw with Rutgers, they sold that thing out last week. I don't know if the environment's going to matter, but I thought this point spread would tick a little bit higher. I thought Iowa, in fact, would be favored by a little bit more in this game. Iowa currently just a two-point favorite in the matchup at Illinois. Then it's a bye week before they get Ohio State. Now, this point spread was also part of those games of the year that came out this summer. One of the big differences, though, that we've seen on, on this course is this one has stayed the same. In comparison to the Michigan line, this one has stayed very close to what it is. Currently at Elite Sportsbook, 21.5 is the number. That's basically what the look ahead was. A lot of 21s that were out there uh, this summer. So Iowa, three touchdown underdog. And, you know, I thought that one also might have ticked a little bit higher. Has not been the case to this point with Iowa and Ohio State coming up in a couple of weeks. It'll be a return uh, back home to Kinnick Stadium against Northwestern. Of course, we saw them week zero, the win over in Ireland. Looked great in that one coming back and beating Nebraska. Since then, it has been a dumpster fire uh, for Northwestern. But we know history, right? And history is certainly not on our side as it pertains to Northwestern. The number is 18 and a half. That's right. Iowa favored by 18 and a half. With this offense, should they be favored against anybody in the Big Ten by 18 and a half? I certainly don't think so. In fact, this is one that I jumped aboard right away. When I saw these point spreads, I jumped on Northwestern plus the 18 and a half. Three more games to go. Next up is a road tilt out to Purdue. Iowa slight underdog here, too. Again, history, certainly with Jeff Brom and company, not on the side. And, and this is the one team that Phil uh, Parker has really struggled with, trying to figure things out. A year ago, it, it was wide receiver David Bell just going nuts in that game, and Iowa has not been able to figure out that Purdue passing scheme, a team that hasn't run the ball very well, though they did two years ago in the 2020 game, the first game of the season for the Hawkeyes that year. So uh, that one was a surprise, too. I thought Purdue would fa be favored a little bit more. Now we also have to wait. Aiden McConnell and what he's going to be health-wise is doesn't look like he's going to be available to go uh, this week against Minnesota. Uh, didn't play last week, got injured in the game against Florida Atlantic where Purdue had to hold on and survive that one. Maybe that has something to do with the point spread. Just a little bit surprised, but doesn't matter who the signal caller is. Uh, Purdue certainly has Iowa's number in the Brom era. After that, another team that Iowa struggles with, it'll be Wisconsin coming to town. Now the Badgers have their own set of issues. Last week, they were blown out by Ohio State. And not just getting blown out. You can anticipate something like that can happen against the Buckeyes. But that defense, guys running free all over the place. It was an ugly, ugly day uh, for the Badgers and, and trying to find a way to slow down Ohio State. They had no answer. Still, Iowa's had their own struggles against the Badgers. As we know, one and a half the number. Uh, Wisconsin is favored at Kinnick Stadium. Two more games to go. Next is a road trip, and this has been one of the biggest swings before the season at the South Point. This was a game that was out there. Iowa was favored by six before the season. Now Minnesota 
is favored by seven in the game that will be played up at TCF Bank. We've seen the Gophers have looked incredible to this point in the season. They have been demolishing uh, people up and down the field in that performance last week against Michigan State. That deserved a wow. And the other part, as we've seen Minnesota and even some of their better teams under Phil Fleck, they've had struggles early in the year. Of course, last year turned out to be a pretty good team. Beat, obviously, Wisconsin that last game of the year and helped Iowa get into the Big Ten championship game. But that's a team a year ago that lost to a bad Bowling Green team, a bad back team. They've had struggles in the past against South Dakota State, a couple other games in the non-conference. That's norm- not normally what we see from Minnesota, them coming out of the gates this strong. It has been different this year. Schedule hasn't been difficult. Michigan State, we'll see if they're a paper tiger. Two bad losses in a row from Sparty uh, certainly uh, makes that a little bit more of a question mark. Still, still uh, the clear-cut favorite right now in the West is Minnesota and Iowa. A seven-point dog in that one. And then wraps up with Black Friday. Back home as it'll be Nebraska in town. Iowa, just a four-point favorite in this game. Also a little bit of a surprise. But you add it all up. And if you're just going strictly by the point spread and which side wins, that lines up for a six-and-six six season for Iowa. How disappointing would that be? Well, there's a big one on tap this week. Yesterday, here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, myself and Biz, well, it was Biz and Stat Boy. They gave you five reasons why Iowa can pull the upset. Today, we go the other direction. Five reasons that I was going to get blown out in this game by the Wolverines. We'll do that as we continue here in a moment. This is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Well, you hear me talking about point spreads and a place to go to help you out with point spreads and a whole lot more is Bet Online, your number one source for football betting information this season. You can find all the latest player developments, injuries, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game out there. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events. Not just college football, not just the NFL, Major League Baseball as we go into the final week of the regular season, the playoffs right around the corner. You're into MMA, boxing, golf, whatever it is, they have you covered at Bet Online. Go to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll make our picks here later in the week and we will get into everything that is happening on that front. But let's get back into the podcast here today. I'm again, Trent Condon with you. Glad to have you aboard with us, a solo edition of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. So yesterday it was five reasons why Iowa was going to pull the upset, or not even why, why they can. Like, had a lot of Michigan fans in the mentions, a lot of people on YouTube making their comments. If you're on YouTube right now, hey, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. It helps us out and goes a long way into continuing to help us with the Lockdown Network and Lockdown Hawkeyes. Just hit subscribe, even if you're not coming back each and every day, really helps us out and continue to grow those numbers. Our goal was to get to 1,000 subscribers by the time we got to the Michigan game. Hey, Hawkeye fans, you showed up and helped us do that. In fact, over 1,100 now. Hey, let's see if we can get to 1,200. How about that uh, before things kick off? And a big thank you to everybody that has haunted, gone in that fashion. We've had a lot of fun here breaking things down, even some of the frustrations and the disappointments. And hey, if you're a Hawkeye fan that doesn't want to hear negativity, doesn't want to hear that side, this is not going to be the segment for you. Look, fast forward to the end. We got some more nuggets, some news and notes for the press conferences. We'll get into that. This is probably not the time for you right now. If you're somebody that I can't hear some negatives about your team. Me as a fan, and that's what I am. Though 
Yes, I'm on the radio. Yes, I do a podcast. I guess I'm part of the media in some form or fashion. Ultimately, I'm like you. I'm a fan. I grew up in this state. I grew up in, in the 80s. And what a big deal Iowa basketball and Iowa football was. Ultimately, I love going to games. And I love being there. And I don't do it and go sit in the press box. No, I go and I sit in the stands with you. That's what I am. I'm a fan, but I'm also kind of a jaded fan. I'm a positive guy in my real life. I, I Optimistic positivity all over the place. That's who I am. But as it pertains to my sports teams, a little little scar tissue is built up throughout the years. I'm a Twins fan. Well, when I was 7 and 87 and 11 and 91, those are great. Well, we're talking about 30 years ago from 1991, now 31 years, and another disappointing season for Minnesota. Well, you see my Timberwolves hat on today. Not a whole lot of success there. Maybe trending in a positive direction. Didn't like the Rudy, Rudy Gobert trade, but that aside, we're not here to talk about the Timberwolves. I'm also a Bears fan. Hey, I was in kindergarten in 85. I, I jumped on the bandwagon like the Bears, and since 85, it has been certainly a downturn for me. So that has led to maybe my jaded nature as a sports fan. Of course, the Hawkeyes. For all the greats that we've had, all the highs, there's also the lows, and I think we all know about them. So that's where I come a little bit more as a perspective, as a fan. So we're going to go the other direction, not exactly poking holes in what Jace brought up with us yesterday, along with Stat Boy, but five reasons why I was going to get blown out. Not just lose this game, but maybe in a similar fashion to what we saw last December in the Big Ten Championship game. We start number one. The offense is still last in the country. This is still the worst offense in the country, and it's not even close. They're still over 20 yards behind the 130th team as Iowa sits at 131 out of 131. That's New Mexico State, one of the worst programs in the country year after year. 232 yards per game. I mean, it's laughable. They haven't played murder's row here. The schedule has not been that difficult. They haven't played any vaunted defenses to this place, and yet this offense is struggling at this level. 115th at 100 yards per game rushing at 124th in the country and passing offense per game at 131 yards per contest, averaging just 17 points. And remember, the defense has set up a whole lot of those points. The short field against Iowa State in the first touchdown of the season. Two safeties against South Dakota State. Even the field goal that they got was set up by the defense. And then, uh, of course, what we saw even against teams, excuse me, like Nevada. Last week, the defense outscoring the offense. 14 points from the defense on two touchdowns. 13 from the offense. That's what we're getting at. This is still a bad offense. And it doesn't matter the way that you slice excuse me, slice it and dice it. This is a really, really bad offense. And you know, we've been maybe treating Spencer Petras now with kid gloves. Look, I absolutely murdered him the first couple of weeks. It was brutal, and there's no way about it. You take that loss to Iowa State, a game that, frankly, with a competent quarterback, Iowa shouldn't have lost with a competent running game, with a competent wide receiver group, but they did. And we can talk about the reasons, and, and we've done all that before, but ultimately it comes back to the most important position in football. Petras has been better the last two weeks, but let's slow down. Nevada was brutal. I mean, that was an awful football team, and he looked okay in that one. He also had wide receivers. Last week, he had one catch out of his wide receivers, only three targets. Laporte Lachey, they got involved a little bit in the passing game, but outside of that, yes, he graded highly by pro football focus, but if you watch that game, it's like, oh boy, he's figured it out. Let's slow down. Here's this, though, from Spencer Peters, and a reason why Iowa can get blown out. Spencer Peters has been a better quarterback on the road than he's been at home. Throughout his career, Spencer Peters has thrown 11 touchdown passes in Kinnick Stadium now against 12 interceptions. That number is completely different on the road. This game's going to be in Kinnick, and he has not been the same quarterback. He has not been as good of a quarterback when he has played at home as he has on the road. So that's number one, the offense, right? 
Brian Ferentz, stinks as a play caller. Uh, we've got on five years now of the running game looking absolutely brutal under him. That's where we are. Doesn't matter what they do, what they try to do, what he tries to scheme up. In 2017, performance against Iowa, Ohio State, that was a long, long time ago. Special teams advantage. Well, it feels like every week Iowa has a special teams advantage, right? Number two, that special teams advantage, not as significant as it's been in most weeks. In fact, take a look at this number. Iowa right now in the country is number 17 in net punting. We know this is a lot of times Tory Taylor pitting them deep. Even if I was at midfield or at the 45-yard line of the opponent, they're still going to punt it. Pin them deep. That's the way that this team is built. That's the way that they are going to play. So maybe that impacts a little bit. We know Tory uh, Tory Taylor is a fine, fine punter, one of the best in the country, and and won the punting battle last week against an All American. But on the other side, Michigan is number two in net punting so far this season. Now the Wolverines haven't had to punt very much. The numbers are not the same as you uh, look at the total yardage there. Not a stat that you want to be winning, but that has been the case for the Hawkeyes this season. But uh, that special teams advantage in the punt game, at least on paper right now, doesn't show up in the same way. Iowa is also 79th in punt returns on the season. On the other side, Michigan number 24 in punt return yardage, number 52 in kick returns. So that gap that Iowa can close because of their special teams being significantly better than a lot of teams, that has not been the case, at least this season, according to the numbers here. Another thing you say, hey, we win defense, we win special teams, maybe we have a chance. That gap is not significant. In fact, maybe you could even put a check mark on the Michigan side in a couple of those. So that's item number two. Let's get to number three, and that is the Michigan offense. This is a different animal than Iowa has faced this season. This is a completely different team overall, starting with the quarterback. Hunter Deckers, I think, has a nice future, but he is not J.J. McCarthy, not in terms of athleticism, not in terms of numbers this year. Uh, Deckers, we've seen throughout the season for Iowa State, he's turned it over a bunch. Uh, think about you know, the play that he threw into the end zone against Iowa, just not even looking and just throwing the ball up in one-on-one coverage and hoping for something to happen, and Iowa got an interception out of that. That has not been J.J. McCarthy this season. He is completing 80% of his passes, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Not only that, how many times in the past – even under Phil Parker, have we seen Iowa really struggle with a quarterback that can run? Well, that's J.J. McCarthy. That guy can get out there. He can move. He can make plays. He's done it with his feet. He's also worked to not just tuck it and run, but extend plays down the field, getting outside the pocket, and then making plays up the field, something that Iowa has to be very cognizant about. That is a scary proposition. But it's not only that. Blake Corum. 478 yards rushing this season. Touchdowns are through the roof. Iowa's a team has 408. He's got 478 alone, and he's not alone back there, but he is an outstanding running back, and, and just a guy with his physicality. Looks like he got a bottom up you know, for a two-yard gain, and he still squirts out and gets four. He needs to make a first down, and he just always seems to be falling forward, and not only that, he can also make big plays. This is a physical guy. This is a guy that Iowa has to be ready for and really bottle up. That is a concern. And the other part here is though this Iowa defense is playing at such a high level and playing great, they've been on the field a bunch, they're getting banged up, and we're already seeing that play out from the middle of things. Noah Shannon a couple of weeks ago against Nevada was only able to play five snaps. He comes back and plays 43 snaps, I think it was, against Rutgers, but he's been banged up. Obviously, Y.A. Black, he's still out. Another player at the defensive tackle position. You look at linebacker, Justin Jacobs, one of the most athletic players that they have on the whole roster. He's out and out for the rest of the season, as it was announced. The cornerback spot has been banged up this season. Injuries are starting to pile up for this Iowa defense. And even with the depth that they have built, it's not at the same level. This Michigan team offensively is really good. And not only that, 
who is Iowa played at this point? These are the national numbers for the four opponents for Iowa at this point in total offense. South Dakota State, number 77. That's in the FCS level. Out of the FCS teams, they're ranked number 77. Iowa State, back to the FBS, the 76th offense in the country. Nevada, number 123, and Rutgers, number 98. And you can say, Trent, come on. They had to play the Iowa defense, and that's why those numbers are down. I agree with you. That's a point. But still, we have not seen anything close to what this Michigan offense has been. The Michigan offense, number three, why Iowa could get blown out this weekend. Number four, turnovers. Oh, Iowa. Going to win this game. It's going to be because of the turnovers. Well, I mentioned a little bit earlier, J.J. McCarthy has not turned the football over. In fact, as an interceptor, he has not thrown an interception so far this season. Just two fumbles this year. Michigan, 20th in the country right now in turnover margin. Iowa is just 40th. And Iowa struggled themselves with turnovers to this point in the year. We've seen Spencer Petras and the interceptions that he has thrown this year. This is not the Spencer Petras that was just that, you know, going to sit back, make the right plays, and not turn it over. That is not the same guy that we've seen going back to the end of last season, or at least the back half of the season, and into this year. Just two fumbles lost for Michigan this year. Turnovers, you think Iowa, hey, they got a big advantage there. They're going to turn it over. That has not been the case so far this season, number four. And finally, number five, we talked about the history, right? Iowa has the history on their side. And we've talked about the numbers going back and what Iowa's done in their victories. The last six times a top five opponent has come into Kinnick Stadium, I was won five of those six games. The only loss uh, came on the final play of the game against Penn State back in 2017. Happened right in front of me. Got tickets right on the field. That was before the construction of the new end zone on the north side there. Uh, got a client that hooked me up with tickets right on the field, feet on the AstroTurf. It was great. A cool environment, but it still haunts me. Just the sound of the football from Sean Clifford hitting the hands. It wasn't Sean Clifford. Who was it? It was, uh, oh, Trace McSorley. Excuse me. Trace McSorley. But the football hitting the hands of that wide receiver and just the thud as he brings it down and wins it 21-19. Just an epic football game there. Saquon Barkley was out of his mind. It looked like I was going to pull another one. But outside of that, let's look back at those wins and those other victories that Iowa's get starting in 2008 against Penn State. Some of the circumstances that happened that led to Iowa getting the win. First, that Penn State game in 2008. Iowa comes back on the Daniel Murray kick to win it 24-23. But if you remember about that game, there are a couple of things that certainly uh, jump out. First of all, remember being there, it was bitterly cold that day. But the first quarter, the first half of the game, Iowa was lucky to be in it. Penn State was just a lot better. They were a lot better football team, and they were showing it throughout that first half. And And Iowa was pretty lucky to be in that game going into the locker room, but it was domination. But remember also what Iowa had. First of all, they had Ricky Stanzi. He makes the drive to set up the field goal late in the game, throw to DJK. Well, yeah, you had a guy like DJK also on that roster, Marvin McNutt. But Sean Green was the difference maker. 28 carries, 117 yards, two touchdowns. Sean Green right now is not on this roster. Unless you believe Caleb Johnson is going to be a guy. Is Iowa willing? To give 28 touches to Caleb Johnson, I feel that would be a path that Iowa needs to if they're going to have a shot in this football game. you got to get your playmakers involved, and that's something you're going to see throughout the course of this exercise. The other top five uh, victory uh, came a couple years later against Michigan State. Iowa came off a tough loss. Michigan State was ranked number five, and this was just an absolute blitzkrieg. Iowa jumped out 30 to nothing. That was the game. You had the interception return. Micah Hyde off the uh, Tyler Sash pitch that they ran back for a touchdown. Adam Robinson, he caught a pass from 
Bricky Stanzi in that one. Robinson was getting the game. Iowa just thorough domination, and Michigan State turned it over three different times. So that was number two as we go through these five victories, and history is not playing. And you also well, you need to make some plays. Making plays, that is number three on our list. That was the 14-13 win, another last-second field goal for the Hawkeyes, a Michigan team that was playing incredibly well at that time. Iowa, how did they do it? They did it with the playmaker in Akram Wadley. They got him in space. They got him out wide. They give him ability to not only catch the football, but run the football and just do enough offensively. The defense also scored in that game. Got a safety in that one to keep it in it early, and that's kind of another part of this. You got to stick around if you're going to pull off that upset. 55-24. Oh, we remember it well. One of the craziest days at Kinnick Stadium. This is one that is absolutely epic when you look back upon it. It was one of the weirdest environments that I can remember. Of course, the first play of the game, you get the pick six as uh, it was a run back for a touchdown. That, just an incredible environment. The place went nuts. I was wearing the blackout uniforms. It was a madhouse at Kinnick Stadium. Also, Bosa had to leave that game as he was ejected. How much that changed the complexion, what a pass rusher he was, and Iowa's offensive line was really struggling coming into that game. I think completely changed the way things were going at that point in time and what Iowa ultimately was able to do. But they had heroic performances from Nate Stanley throwing for five touchdowns, including one with a guy on his legs. Akron Wadley again. 20 carries, 118 yards. Hawkinson had a couple of touchdowns. Fan had a touchdown where he just beat a safety off the line and beat him for a catch in the corner of the end zone. Those were the kind of performances that they needed to pull off that upset. And then, finally, it was another one against Penn State last year. That was Nico Regani making a play late in the football game. That was the defense at least giving them a chance. Iowa has found a way, but they've always found a way because somebody stepped up offensively. Is there anybody that can do that? As I said, history isn't there. And though these were all not night games per se, these were all games that ended up being in the evening. A little bit later, 11 o'clock kickoff, we know. It is just different than even a 2.30, 3 o'clock kickoff. And, of course, a night game, how electric it is. Michigan, they got to be happy about the start time. Fox, they'll be happy, too, as they get a big one that's going to get a big number if Iowa can hang around. But those are the reasons Iowa can be blown out. We go the other side after yesterday's reasons that Iowa can pull off the upset against Michigan. We'll finish things up. Some news and notes from the press conferences. George Barnett, the offensive line coach in his second year. He talked yesterday, the day before, from Kirk Ferentz. We'll do that as we continue here in a moment. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Trent Cotton back with you one final time here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Find us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and available wherever you get podcasts. Wrapping things up and a couple of nuggets uh, that came out. We've talked here on the podcast about what we've seen from Ellsbury, the guard coming in, and how different the run game has looked. Now, he's only played in two games, one against Nevada, the other last week against Rutgers, hasn't played a whole lot. You know, the reasoning I thought was interesting. Now, the thing that I like about Coach Barnett is he's not talking in cliches. You know, he's not giving you those canned responses that we get what we get from Kirk each and every week when he's talking in his press conference, you kind of know. I mean, you can look at a transcript from now and you can look at one from 1999. And they're going to look much, very, very similar. Certainly, right? As Kirk likes to say, most certainly. You're going to see pretty much the exact same thing. Coach Barnett, though, 
You know, he was talking about the guys. Now, he had positive things to say about everybody, but Ellsbury's a guy. The run games just look different. He's a mauler. He's physical. He goes out there, and he can make plays, and the excitement level that that brings because this running game needs to get going. If I was going to have a chance to be better than what the point spread that we talked about at the top, better than 6-6, six and six, they're going to need a whole lot more out of this running game because we know the limitations of this offense in the passing game. And though Laporta is a nice player, and Nico Regani is a nice player, they're just that. They're nice players. These are not elite playmakers. Caleb Johnson can be that guy. And I think Ellsbury can be a guy that really helps solidify the inside. Connor Colby on one side, Mason Richmond on the other. You feel good about the tackle spot and what it still can be. A guy's working their way in there. Uh, George Barnett also talking about Connor Colby, who, of course, played a ton last year as a true freshman, out there for a second year. But he was a guard and now kicking back outside. And he said at times he looked like a guard trying to play tackle early in the season. And I think he's starting to round into form. The interesting part, though, about the Ellsbury one is he's also the backup center. And a reason for that is Michael Malensky, who was a highly regarded out kid coming out of high school. He had big time offers. He's a Texas guy. Florida was heavily involved. I mean, he had a lot of teams, big time programs that were after him. And he ultimately chose Iowa. But he's been dealing with injury. In fact, last season, was also dealing with injury. That's led to Logan Jones, of course, being the starting center. But because they didn't also have their backup in Maluski, it became Ellsbury. That was the backup. And they, they didn't want to put too much on the plate. They also worried about injury. Well, I got a problem with that. I mean, worrying about an injury, I get it. Offensive linemen, they get banged up, they get hurt. That's going to happen. But to not play one of your best guards, and that's what, at least for my untrained eye, he has certainly looked at this point in time not playing the first two games, not giving the snaps that I think he can help out this team a ton because he happens to be the backup center. I don't know. There's something that just doesn't sit exactly right. But a tip of the ball cap there, certainly, to hearing from Coach Barnett and what he had to say in a positive direction. Really like that part of it. And a guy that just didn't break things down in the fashion we kind of hear a lot uh, from these coaches. Finally, going back to Kirk's press conference, not a ton. You know, we talked about Keegan Johnson. He's going to be out again this week. It's going to be touch and go with him throughout the course of the season. Uh, people have not exactly said out loud, but there's been murmurs out there that could be done for him this season, which would be devastating to this wide receiver group. I mean, he is the big time playmaker that they had. Brody Breck, you know, can he add a little bit? I think so. I, I think that's a guy that can give you something. You know, if he can get you a couple of big plays, a big play every other week, something like that, that's going to help out a lot. You know what Nico can do in the tight ends, but you know, overall, that is uh, something that is devastating for this wide receiver group. We found that up. Also mentioned Justin Jacobs. So mostly more injury news. It's also great uh, to hear that they're going to be honoring the 2002 team. Uh, my buddy Will Lack, he was on that team. He was a backup offensive lineman. Speaking of transcripts and press conferences, if you've heard Kirk talk throughout the years, he's mentioned Will a couple of different times after he finished up at Iowa. He went to medical school, not at the University of Iowa, went to Harvard. Yeah, not bad for a guy from Osage that used to carry kegs into our parties at our houses in Iowa City. But, you know, it's great that they're going to be honored. They're going to be there. Thinking of that offensive line, what they were able to do, the five guys going off in the finale of the regular season at Kinnick Stadium, the second to last game of the year, with the five seniors' hands together. Sobieski, a guy that wasn't even a full-time starter, he was drafted in the NFL. David Porter, Bruce Nelson, Eric Steinbach. This was an outstanding offensive line. And, uh, of course, a great team with Brad Banks and company and Fred Russell and Jermel Lewis. And, and what a fun season that was. That was my first true road trip. I've been up to Minnesota and Wisconsin for games before. I also had family there, but went out to Michigan with a group of buddies from college. We went there, took an old school bus out there. It was a great time, a great season, culminating, obviously, in the Orange Bowl. And it's going to be great to see them have recognition. And 
Of course, it makes me feel old, too, as that was 20 years ago. Maybe makes you feel a little bit old as well. That's coming up this weekend. Hey, let's hope it's just like 2002. 34-9, we would take that in a heartbeat. No doubt if Iowa can pull it off. Hey, let's just get a victory. And it looks like if they're going to do that, it's going to have to be in a different fashion than the 2002 team. Had a fun one today. We'll be back with you one more time this week, getting ready for the Michigan game. We'll break things down a little bit deeper. We're not going to go extreme. How Iowa can pull the upset, how they're going to get blown out. We'll play things down the middle. We'll break down those matchups a little bit more. Coming up on tomorrow's podcast, we will also give you some picks for the week brought to you by Bet Online. That's all coming your way tomorrow. Thanks again for being with us here with the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. And, hey, Big Ten season is here. All 14 teams in action, all against each other this week. Seven conference games. Mentioned Illinois, Wisconsin a little bit earlier. There's a lot of intriguing games out there. And, of course, you can catch it all with Locked On Big Ten. Nate Dickinson takes you around the Big Ten in 30 minutes each and every day. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen each and every day. I'm Trent Connor back with you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Go Hawks!